This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. If you can remember back in 2019, way back when, 20 years ago, actually like two years ago now, as of this is recorded, we used to all work in offices. We'd go to work. We'd all hang out in the office together. We'd all go to the office cooler. We'd have conversations. People would come by, knock on your door. Hey, can we just talk for a second? All those random interactions. And then 2020 hit and the pandemic hit and we all had to work from home. And we all got used to doing Zoom calls and Teams calls and working remotely. And we got to get used to using things like Slack and Teams and communication tools. And we figured out what is great about working at home and what's not so great about working at home. Well, now as the pandemic is starting to lessen, offices are trying to figure out, do we go back to work or not? Some companies are not missing the big bills from the office space that fills that cost so much money. Some employees are not missing the idea of having to get up and put on your shoes every morning to go to work. Some bosses are really missing the accountability to be able to look your employees in the eye every day and see what they produce. Uh, this is a very hot topic right now. How can we go back to work? Should we work in a hybrid model? Should we have everybody in the office? Should we have everybody continuing to work remotely? How do we protect our culture with whatever decision we make. So we thought we would dive into that topic today with our team here at PeopleCentric. And let's start with Matt Griswold. Hey, everybody. Good to, I was gonna say see you, but I can only see my team right now. And I think this is a, a good topic to talk about now, not only because of the, the climate in the country as the pandemic, we don't wanna lessen you know, the stance on what the pandem- pandemic looks like here in Missouri and Southwest Missouri, where, where we are based, the pandemic really, didn't slow our lives down nearly as much as it would have on the coasts there. Diana's in Tacoma, Washington right now, uh, and it's a much different scene there, right? Oh, yeah. We're, we're not back to normal at all. Right, right. And, we, you know, of course, we have clients all over the country. I, I know I speak to client, my clients on the East Coast there, and they're, they're loosening up some restrictions. I don't know if you saw the governors are, are, are trying to make uh, big decisions there in New York and New Jersey and, and governors everywhere are having to make, uh, make tough decisions based on the climate of their state and, and what that looks like. And so, you know, in the beginning, Don, I talked about this. We talked about this internally as we do with these podcasts and what would the topic be? What would some of the talking points be? And, and in the beginning, if I can quote that from uh, the, the beginning of the pandemic, we launched, and a lot of people probably took advantage of it that are listening to us now, we launched this recovery toolkit, right? This, this oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How do we continue to, to uh, run solid business now? People are going to re- be working remotely. That's terrifying. What am I going to do with this office space? What are we going to, you know, what do finance looks like, uh, look like. And now we're on the backside of this where vaccinations are, are seem to be plentiful uh, across the country now. And, and people are uh, feeling a little bit more uh, enabled to be able to get out and about. And it's, it's, it's prodding business owners to say, well, what does normalcy look like for us going forward? And I know the whole time we've been talking about this, you know, for a year now, this is something business owners have been contemplated. Well, when is the appropriate time to bring people back? When do we come back? Or here's the other question. Do we come back? Uh, do we come back at all? How many of you had experiences during the pandemic working with a different organization or association that maybe had no office space at all? Like they just cut ties completely with office space and they worked remotely, right? We, we ran across that. 
We had other organizations to where they were right in the midst of a lease. And do we do it? Yeah, we better go ahead and re-sign the lease, not knowing it's going to be a year before anybody can go back. And so just starting the first steps of what this looks like, I don't want to keep talking the whole time, but I wanted to share some of our experiences and maybe talk about what are some of those things that we need to consider before we, you know, or not before, but as we're taking steps to kind of return to a little bit of normalcy. And I'm going to start the first topic here with something to consider. And we can, you know, maybe uh, shed some light on this just a little bit with our, with our experiences. I was recently tasked with uh, running a team to create some office guidelines. Okay, so we're going to return to the office. We need some office guidelines. Now, this one is unique because in the midst of the pandemic, they actually switched offices. They changed offices. Brand new office space that no one has gotten to use yet. And so we need to create some standards of how we're going to uh, interact and treat the office. I got the team together, just like the step team process of employees that that we uh, that, you know that that we run. And as we're starting the conversation, we're trying to have conversations about who's going to be responsible for emptying the dishwasher in the break room, and you know what what is social distancing going to look like when when we're there. And I'll tell you, they couldn't. The employees could not get off of the first step, which was, is it even safe to go back? And I noticed that there was a big emotional block there before we can talk about who's emptying the dishwasher. There's a lot of emotions behind this too. So let's talk about maybe what are some of those things that a, that a, that a boss or a manager needs to do maybe to relate on an emotional level or communicate on an emotional level before we can start dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the specifics of, of procedures when we get back to the office. What are your thoughts there? I, I think that's a huge insight in the idea that people are feeling tension and varying levels of tension. You started off by talking about how it looks different for different people. I, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same ocean, but we're all in different boats right now. And it's very different right. depending on where you are at. There are people that I know that are running right now like life is completely normal. Like, like there was no pandemic, everything's normal. And there's people I know right now who are still at home all the time uh, and are afraid to go out. So I like your point there of just acknowledging at first, while business owners are looking at paper and looking at data and trying to think of those kinds of things, it's easy to overlook the idea that some of my employees may feel differently about coming in than others. And, you know, we just did a whole series about what followers want from their leaders and they want that compassion from people. And I think starting off by showing some compassion for the employees that say, hey, it might be difficult for some of you to come back because you have to change your whole lives, not just, not just the fear of coming back, but all the planning that has to go into it, right? We've hit a new normal of being at work. Okay, my kids are at home now. Now what do I do with my kids? I got to find childcare. I've got to be able to organize that or school's not sure what they're going to do or we're not sure what we're doing for vacation. All those different things that we adjusted to before employees are going to have to adjust to again. So maybe just starting by even acknowledging all of those things, not necessarily by solving all those problems, but just acknowledging with your employees that, hey, this is going to be a difficult transition we're going to make as we start figuring out how we're going to come back to work together. We'll get you some of the way there. I think there's a tough jumping off point too of hesitancy, you know, because recently, you know, we work with clients in New Jersey, clients in Michigan, and they had spikes here in the last couple of months or so. So it felt like as, as it was lessening in some places, these places are, are, are spiking. And so I know business owners are like, I don't know if I want to sign the lease on that next new place, or I don't want to know if I want to bring everybody back uh, without having some of these answers, answers there. So I like how you're saying we have to start the conversation. And I think if we are starting the conversation from a procedure mechanism that we we're probably missing the boat. I think, I think my first piece of advice when we're considering this is we need to start this conversation from an emotional side, recognizing that these people's lives 
have have been impacted impacted in a great way and and even if they don't know maybe they don't know someone who's lost their life to the pandemic like like let's that's one extreme another extreme of this is each of these people have different personality types. We just did, a, I just did a training on this for a, a big association. They have different personality types. And these folks who were used to going door to door, like Don was talking about with their cup of coffee and just shooting the breeze a little bit. Now, you know, for a lot of these people, maybe they've had very, very little human interaction. And I think that has an impact. I'm not a doctor, but that has an impact on the psyche of that person as well. And so understanding them from an emotional part, I think is going to be um, maybe the best way to, to start that conversation. Bethany? Another thing you're talking about personalities, I think something else to consider here is understanding how your people work and people work differently too. And hopefully I'm not jumping ahead here, but I'm just thinking no. about our team and we are we are kind of that hybrid model now since the pandemic. And like you said, Diana's over in Washington and Matt, you're just in the town over, but you work from home most of the time um, unless you're seeing a client. And um, most of the time me and Don are in the office. And I, I think we just have different different personalities in that sense of how to how we like to work obviously like diana is in washington so she doesn't really have the option of coming to our <laughs> to the office but matt like you really you seem to enjoy working from home and that really works for you for me working from home was like really difficult and i struggled with that um and so for me like being in the office i feel like i'm a lot more productive and i so i think that that's just really that's something to consider too and understand with your your employees that just because maybe you work better in the office doesn't necessarily mean that your employees do too, all of them. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's good insight. So what if, what if we are the manager, you know, and we we've heard this, Don, I know we've talked about this, this hybrid model. What if I'm the manager that says, okay, the pandemic is lessening. Now here's the rule. Like we have to come back to the office now because we were always in the office before. Now we have to come back to the office now because it's lessening, man. What would, what would some uh, maybe talking points or some things to consider if I'm that manager, maybe it's not a hard, fast rule that everybody has to come back, especially all at once. It's funny. This whole conversation is a little bit weird to me. I'm just going to confess something to everybody that's listening out there. It reminds me a lot of the debates that we had, especially, you know, three, three, four, five, six, seven years ago about open office versus closed office. Like which one is most powerful for the culture? Should we have an open office environment because everybody's in the same room together and it really encourages collaboration and nobody's above anybody else? Or should we have the closed office environment where we have walls and there's more of a hierarchy, but also you can go make a phone call without getting interrupted? all of those different things. And I think that we work with some architecture firms and one of the owners of the architecture firm said, boy, I'm so sick of hearing this argument because people call us and they want to do the culture, da, 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 da. And it's like, don't start with the open or closed office layout. That's not the starting point for culture. Think about what you want in terms of how your job works and then decide whether you're going to go open or closed office. See what works best for different positions, different areas, like be flexible with that. I think the same thing is true for whether you allow people to work at home or not. There are some jobs that you need people to come into work for. There's going to be some things that they need to be able to be around and sit around and talk with each other and work with each other. There are others that maybe we prove that you don't have to be together for. So whichever way that your job works, like I think you need to consider it. And then at the end, you need to consider what model that you need to apply. It's, it's, I think we're asking the wrong question first. Like, do we work at home? Do we do a hybrid? Do we do that? I think that's the wrong question. To me, it's like, what's the best for our team overall? 
and, and be honest with yourself. If you look back, there was I, I, one of our clients, I remember March, they said, if they shut us down and make us work from home, I might as well shut down the company because I don't think my people are going to get anything done. Now, that was a common theme. That, that was, was a, a pretty very common, common theme. theme. Like people don't remember that, but it's like business owners just saying, if they're not even there, how am I supposed to know what they're doing? Well, hopefully you learn something because most of the companies that we've worked for, in fact, all the companies that we've worked for that went remote found their teams were very highly productive yeah. and they did their work without you standing over their shoulder. They did their work without the super, super high level of accountability or visually seeing what was going on. So be realistic about what your team can do remotely and then yeah. think about like what makes sense for us to do in person to each, with each other. What what makes sense for us? Do we have office parties? Yeah, you should probably get together. You don't have to, if, if, if things are open back up again, you don't have to do everything on Zoom like you did before. We don't have to have those Zoom happy hours like we did before. Maybe that's when you do call everybody in together. Or if there's a meeting that somebody has to have during the week, maybe people show up to work twice a week to go to meetings. Or like I said before, if it's something that requires people to collaborate, then make the people that collaborate have to come into work together and work in an office. I, I don't think it's, I don't think there's one right answer for any company. I think you just have to, I just don't, I don't start, don't start with the answer. I guess. No, Don, one of the things that, that you, you say quite a bit, I was just speaking to a group in Tulsa last week and I said the same thing there talking about organizational design and, and equating our organization to this machine, right? And it, the, our, our organizations are perfectly designed to get the outputs that it's currently getting. If we don't like the output that it's getting, then we need to change the design of the machine. I would venture to say that pre-pandemic or maybe even during the pandemic or some of the processes you're still still in right now, those processes were designed taking into account that there were people in the office to be able to make those happen, right? To be able to follow through on those processes, to be able to make those meetings happen. And now circumstances have changed. We might have to redesign the machine just a little bit in order to be able to get a different outcome. Does that make sense? I think that's very well said. So you don't say, hey, we're all going to like, let me give you an example. So we may not say, hey, as a culture the water cooler uh, discussions are really important. So we need you to come into the office. So we have random interactions with each other during the day. I think that's looking at it backwards. I think what you could say is random interactions with each other seem to be important as part of our culture. How can we accomplish that? What ways can we accomplish that? And there are lots of ways to do that. Slack or teams, like we found value in just having channels where we don't, aren't talking about work, where we can just shoot back and forth different things random memes, clever jokes that I like to share, things like that with each other that just helps us to support the culture when we're not able to be together. Or think about if we're not able to be together and see each other, we're deliberately working towards the course of this year to create moments where we can be together. Where can we travel and meet up with each other to see each other and spend some time together? I love what you said about that. Let's figure out what we want the machine to do and then design the machine. Don't design the machine and then figure out what you wanted it to do. Right. So if we want to design it to where everybody is able to work remotely or whatever that might be for you or work 50 percent of the time, 50 percent of the time back and forth there, then we then we might need to redesign the machine just a little bit so that those types of things can can uh, happen. Diana, what were you going to say? I was really going to say that I I think that this past year has challenged me to really review what is important and how we all do work. I'm one of those people that was like, no, obviously you go into the office because then you have a space and then you have like interactions with people and all of your stuff is there. Like, I don't know how you're productive without things. And then my life got completely turned upside down, not just by the pandemic, but the fact that I moved 2,500 miles away from my team. 
And it, it did challenge me to think about, can I still be very effective at my job or do I need to say, I have to find something different. And so it was really good for Don and I to sit down and say like, will this actually work if you are not here? And I think it was, I think the pandemic allowed me to keep my job. I think if we had yeah. not gone through the pandemic, we might've said, no, Diana, like you do need to be close to make this work. But since we started from a place of, no, we've been working remotely already, it allowed us to think differently and say, no, it's okay. You can do this job remotely and we'll still be able to keep you and we want to do it that way. And I think that's kind of changed the way we work. And I, I think it's okay that it has changed the way that we work and the way we look at stuff. I think it has opened up our mind to different resources and different ways of doing things. And so I think there's a lot more for us. That being said, it doesn't mean there's not challenges. I think there's definitely challenges and we're going to keep running into those. We onboarded a new employee recently and it was difficult for me not to be there to walk through that process with that person. And it bothered me that it was so difficult because I could easily do that when I was there and it was so much easier in person. And so I think we learned a lot in that process, right? So just because something is different and challenging doesn't mean it's not the right way to do it. It's just different and challenging. So I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just, I just thought I would acknowledge like there's some stuff that has changed. Yeah. And it's no, a new problem to overcome. Right. It's new yeah. problems and new challenges. Yeah. Well, the, the pandemic kind of uh, forced the removal of the Band-Aid, right? These things that we, I wonder if we can do that. I'm not sure. I, you know, we didn't really, we didn't set a team inside the organization to say, hey, can we work? Let's, I know we don't have to worry about it right now, but can we do our jobs remotely? What, what would that look like? Well, nobody did that. Nobody set aside time to do that. But then the pandemic happened and now you're forced into it and you got to figure stuff out. And it turns out, you know, the working remotely thing. You know, that was, that was probably one of the number one, that and finances like scorecard and revenue. Those were the top questions that we were asked from organizations in the beginning there, but it, it was this forced participation. You know, it was, thank you for coming to this mandatory meeting. Like I like to say, whenever I'm speaking to, to groups of people, now you got to figure stuff out. Don? Yeah. I just want to point out something here is Diana just shared a really good story because Diana moved 2,500 miles away from the team. So first of all, message received, Diana. Thank you for pointing that out to us. But you, you know, Diana has a, has a life change, you know, with her, with their family and everything else. And it's one that is, is, is great. Now our, our ability to be flexible helped us to keep Diana on our team, which is what you're playing with here in terms of flexibility. So it's like, should we be flexible? Should we keep people? Should we do this? And we want to be fair. And sometimes it's easy to think as a business owner to think a little bit cold about how you look at these processes. But what we're messing with here is a great employee for eight years who's been on our team for a long time and saying, could we just figure, could we work together to figure some stuff out and not to make things the way we used to do them work new in technology. I think that was an early mistake that was made during the pandemic is it's like, okay, we have a weekly meeting for one hour and everybody goes around the table and we talk about what we're doing. And that wasn't a very good meeting anyway. And now it's a really bad meeting on Zoom it's not just translating everything onto online. It's thinking differently about how we use tools. I read an article the other day that somebody said, there's no such thing as a three minute zoom call. And I find myself going like, why not? We do it all the time. We do it all the time or teams, yeah. a video call on teams and be like, Hey, you're wandering around yeah. this by you. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. so, so the tap on the shoulder, hey, I just want to talk to you for a second thing. We've been able to recreate that uh, virtually. I mean, we had to create our own kind of rules and guidelines for ourselves in terms of what those that looks like. But it's not just trying to replicate what we used to do in terms of what we do forward. I think there's actually opportunities here of making it better. I love I love the growth and the change. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a story that that Diana hates it when I bring it up, but I think it's hilarious. And I think I just trolled her about it the other day, actually. But this whole we get stuck in that. We get stuck in our own rules sometimes and our own our own rules base. And we're talking about yeah, it's totally cool working remotely. Yeah, we're we're actually you know pretty productive, maybe even more productive than than in the office. And one time, Diana, you'll remember this. I live about 25 miles from the office. It was snowing one morning. I was supposed to be there at eight. It was like eight. 815 or something like that. And Diana sent me a text message, asked me if I was okay. And I said, yeah, it's a little snowy. I'm, you know, taking it easy. I'll be there in like 10 minutes. And she responded with, okay, because just a reminder, you have to be here by 8am, something like that. Start a work starts at eight. And I was like, oh, so you weren't checking to see if I was okay. You were reminding me that I was tardy. And what's so funny, you love it when I bring that up, don't you? No, she does. She's scowling at me right now. But that's where we were at the time. Like, no, no, no. The rules say you have to be here. Hey, like the doors are open at this time. We've got to be here. Otherwise, how can we be productive? And and you know what? I think that's just an example of maybe where we were versus where we are and recognizing. And I love Diana's thought there. You know, I don't know that I would have put much thought into that before, but because this happened, we learned something. And I think one of the takeaways of the challenge, maybe a pro tip is if you're a business owner or a team leader or something like that, think about what it is that you learned. Like think about how you've changed over the last year. Where were you and where are you? And I think that's a good growth activity for you to do too. Bethany? No, I was just going to comment on this story because it was funny. I was just going to say, she oh. was just, she just worried if you were dead. And if you were dead, then she would feel bad. But if you weren't, then she's like, get to work. And I don't know why you're not at work right now. I don't know why you're not at work right now. I also think my exact words were, everyone else was here at eight. <laughs> I think that's good because it's it, a little colder. So if it would have been a Zoom, I would have been there, right here. <laughs> it, that we could really unpack this story like crazy because if those listeners <laughs> are listening to this, would probably go, you know, those freak snowstorms that pop out of nowhere that no one could have ever predicted to leave early from home that morning to be able to make it. You know. Yeah. You know what's you know what's funny too because I came from an environment. Maybe these people, you know, some people that are listening to us now. I came from an environment that was that that was like that. You know, like, hey, like if you know it's going to snow, then drive in and get a hotel near the office the night before so you're here on time. And it's like, I don't know, bigger picture, man, bigger picture. Um, <laughs> you know. Anyway, any, anyway, I digress, but I think this is one of those, I think that's one of those things that, you know what, we've evolved from maybe that thought or that thinking. And I think it surprised a lot of people with how productive, how productive organizations and companies be, uh, can be and teams can be working remotely too. So beyond that, beyond the emotional side of it there, beyond the, okay, what's, what's this going to look like the hybrid versus the full-time, you know, and, and, and another consideration, I guess, let me tie a bow on it with this one and feel free to add to it. Another consideration for, for um, a boss or a business owner to think about, if you are going to go percentages of people, 50-50 or things like that, think about maybe the parts that interconnect that would, you know, on those couple of days a week, man, they would be served well by some face-to-face -face collaboration and maybe try to plan the days of the 50-50 that those groups are there. So we're strategically planning those, those times and those groups to be there. Don? 
we've seen some companies, there's a large company that we work with up in Minnesota and they have, you know, well over hundred employees and they had a really large office that had space for everybody and conference rooms and all that kind of stuff. And what they did during the pandemic is I guess their lease was up. They moved into a smaller space that still has significant meeting space, but it's not enough room for everybody to come to work every day. And they've termed it as base camp. They've called it, started calling it base camp. And the idea is that employees, it's not, it's a hybrid model of work from home and come into work. So if they need to have a team meeting to discuss something or a project, or they need to whiteboard something, they can all come in and meet at the office and do some work. Or if employees are, you know, some employees like, like Bethany talked about at the beginning, Bethany doesn't like to work at home. There's too many distractions from that. So she likes to come to the office. Uh, some people just like to come to the office more. Some people would prefer to be able to work at home more. I think we have to manage like the individual exceptions for those things. I think sometimes it's tempting as bosses to say like, we need to create a policy that applies to everybody. But I think sometimes you take those tools and you put them out there and then you make them work. Then we can work individually with the employees that work for us and try to work to see how can we customize that to, to what's important for you. Diana, it seems like you were going to add something. I to was. That. I love what you said about creating a policy and you and this like fairness and equality in a policy, because I think that was one of my big my big management learning experiences. Is like you can have a policy, but at the end of the day, these are humans, and the humans and the policies don't generally mix. So create the policy, but then use it as a guardrail and, and be flexible around the things that your people need. A policy is there to help you manage. It will not manage everything for you. You still have to be a good manager. And so I, I always think about when I'm writing a policy now, I always think about how, what's the guardrail and what's the goal instead of how do I tailor this so that no one can get around it? Because I think in the beginning, I was like, how do I make this so ironclad that it is easily to point to, and then I can manage through this policy. And now I sort of say, how do I manage my people? And the policy is the guardrail so that everyone fits within these guardrails, but I'm still managing people as people. So what you're saying is like, if you have an employee, let's say you do a hybrid work policy and you have an employee that you never see and they never hang around the office and you don't know, you're not sure what they're doing, that you should just go talk to that employee. Oh my gosh. Yes. Is that what you're saying? I, you know, kind of, yes. I'm kind of saying like, if your policy says that you don't have to be in the office and then you're mad that somebody's not in the office, you got to go have the conversation, talk to them, be it clear with the expectation. Otherwise it, it, it's just policy on paper, right? You have to, you have to manage through management you can't manage through policy. this reminds me of a radical policy that we've had for a long time that is becoming increasingly popular is we have an open time off policy so we do not track paid time off like we don't track it if you need to take time off you can take the time off if it's going to be more than a few hours i ask people to just let me know and also the rules that i can say no i can say no you can't take that Boy, when we first put that into place, I had so many people like, well, you're not going to be able to track that. People are going to take advantage of that, all these other problems with it. But here's the thing. Two things is, first of all, one, it has not been, think of all the systems and things you put into place to track things like that, just to keep up with it. We don't have any of that stuff. It's a lot easier to be able to run a policy like that. Second of all, the biggest problem that we've actually had is people not taking the time off. 
people will work and they'll, they won't take a vacation or they'll, you know, take calls over the weekend or work late at night or, you know, that type of stuff as we've had to figure out other ways to draw some more boundaries as a team to help ourselves when we do take time off to actually unplug. Uh, and I think that's been because our team has really built up ownership. So I, I think that's another tip as you're thinking about like, what kind of a model are you going to do in terms of working? If you have some flexibility with your employees, that can turn into some ownership as long as you also build it along with accountability. And as long as the ownership and the accountability come up together and you set really good expectations and adjust if things are wrong and talk to each other if things aren't working very well or you see need to make adjustments, I think that a flexible schedule or a flexible working arrangement can work really well for organizations. There was a situation that we often run into where managers get mad at someone for subverting a policy or going around a policy, and then they'll rewrite the policy so that that policy no longer has the hole. And I think, I think that's a mistake. Obviously, I think that's a mistake. But I feel like if, if managers just went and said to that one person, hey, you're not following the spirit of this rule or policy or guideline and had that conversation, you wouldn't have to write a policy so that it was ironclad and no one could get around it. Then you just have guardrails, you have expectations. And if one person isn't following those guidelines or rules or the spirit of it, then you have the conversation with the one person and don't punish the entire team for the one person not following the spirit. So some misconceptions here. I can't hold accountability virtually. That's not true. You can. I can't communicate virtually. That's not true. You can. You can have meetings virtually. But let's just say this. Maybe there are some things that that maybe did did suffer a little bit be, because of virtually some of the things that I've heard from other business owners, uh, training, onboarding, the hiring process, their interviewing, that was a little bit more difficult from what I've heard from people training a new hire. I mean, uh, Diana, you had mentioned it just a little bit uh, there too. Some other things that I've heard, you know, we've we had the unfortunate circumstance uh, throughout the past year of supporting different owners and managers as they've had to corrective action or terminate employees virtually or over the phone, which maybe that's not as great as a face-to-face conversation could be, but it, it, it can be done. So again, just to kind of put some thought, you know, some end to this thought here is, uh, yes, the things that you could, uh, you know, do to operate your company effectively, you can still do those things virtually. Might have to be creative, might have to figure out a workaround to be able to uh, do some of those other things that that might be a little bit more difficult, you know, in, from face-to-face to, face to virtually, but you can, you might just need to redesign what the output of that machine should be giving you based on, you know, the players that you have on the field. So I know a lot of conversation has been around this returning to work and, and man, what, you know, am I bringing everybody back? What does that look like? The emotional part of it there, other thoughts or lanes that we want to go to as far as in our last few minutes here that we have other questions or things that you've heard from business owners as they're contemplating coming back to work, making that transition. What does that, what does that look like? Any other thoughts there from you all? I would just add that I think you have another opportunity as an organization. You had an opportunity. The first opportunity occurred about a year ago when COVID hit, which none of us chose and none of us would have ever chosen. None of us wanted. But when it hit, it was a disruptor. And disruptors allow for change to happen very, very, very quickly. And so we changed and adjusted very, very, very quickly. Now we're going to get into a period where we're a little bit more controlled, a little bit more of a controlled change back to whatever the new normal is going to be. 
we have another opportunity. It's going to be very, very, very disruptive again for people as they have to try to figure out how they get out of the lunar module back to the main spaceship so that they can fly to Earth like Apollo 13, yeah. which is going to be emotional. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be changes, all those types of things. But it also opens up opportunities for us as organizations to change other things. It has opportunities for us to change that weekly meeting that everybody hates. It has an opportunity to have supervisors have more frequent conversations with their employees. It, has us, it gives us an opportunity to onboard more deliberately, to hire people more deliberately, to do these processes that we know that have a positive impact on culture, do them more deliberately and carefully and design your machine to do what it needs to do now because you're gonna be disrupted already. It's probably one of the best times right now, best opportunities to really make some changes to really impact your culture in a really quick way right now. That's great. Awesome. Good work team. Let's go around the horn here and give a, maybe a tip to those owners that are thinking about, okay, so I'm about to transition back into a little normalcy in the office. Uh, what's the takeaway that you would leave them with? Diana? I am going to say that there is no one size fits all answer. So my tip for everyone is to go and build the best policy or plan that you can and expect that people are going to need expectations reset, expect that people are going to need communication and do that on a one-to-one -one basis as often as needed to get the results that you want. I like it. Thanks. Bethany? Just trying to decide. Well, I think Don mentioned it earlier, but I think having compassion is a really big one here because people are going to feel strongly one way or the other. And it's, it can be emotional and just considering those needs for each of your employees. And I know that can probably feel really overwhelming for, for managers, for owners, whatever your position is of authority, but, but just trying to have that compassion for people, I think is really important. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and do mine and then I'll pass it off to Don because I think it piggybacks on Bethany's, but then it also is something that Don says quite a bit and I've always liked it, but you know, a lot of times we as business owners might be having the same questions, you know, questioning how, how are, how are my employees feeling? What are my employees thinking? And the one thing that Don always likes to say that I've always really liked is fortunately you have an expert in the organization on that topic. And then the owner is always baffled. They're like, really, who is it? And the kicker is it's that employee, you know, that employee knows how they feel. That employee understands the emotion and they're the only one that can tell you exactly how they're feeling. So, you know, it kind of goes along with the compassion part, but it's really asking them those questions. If you're wondering how your employees feel about transitioning back to the office, ask them. If you're wondering what obstacles that they feel might be in the way of them transitioning back into the office, ask them. Uh, and maybe work together to co-create a good plan of action of what this looks like going forward too. So, Don. I think that organizations out there have the single biggest opportunity to quickly shift your culture that you've ever had before right now. That's and awesome. I think, I think that really taking some time and thinking about deliberately how you want your team to work together is going to be very beneficial for your company. And whether you end up being you know, remote or in-person or some hybrid model of all of that, that act of deliberately deciding that and getting people engaged in how to work together the best to create the culture that you want it to be, to create the work product that you absolutely need it to be, to maximize how your team interacts with each other and with your customers, leverage this disruption that you're going through right now and, and, and capitalize on it. Because I think we're gonna see some teams really, really accelerate from this point forward. 
That's great. So, you know, we never claim to have all of the right answers here. Each of your organizations are going to be uniquely built the way that you have designed them to be uh, to be built there. But we have shared some thoughts and ideas of the different conversations we've been having with owners across the country, as well as they're walking through the same things that you are maybe, uh, you know, contemplating yourself. So hopefully this was helpful. If you have any other thoughts or questions for us, feel free to reach out. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.